District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. In honor of my Texas-themed Conservation Nation video, I want to bring you some behind-the-scenes interviews or full-length interviews I did with several of the participants. Today's interview is going to focus on my conversation with Joe Fitzsimmons, who is the co-owner of the San Pedro Ranch in Carrizo Springs, Texas. He is a multiple-year winner of conservation awards. He most recently won the 2021 Texas Leopold Conservation Award from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He opened his ranch to Madison and I, the videographer I work with very frequently, that's CFACT, and I work with frequently, and he talked about the history of the ranch, how they practice stewardship in the vein of Aldo Leopold, and we had a great conversation. He knows his stuff. He knows free market environmentalism, the importance of private property rights, and making sure that private landowners are big key stakeholders when it comes to conservation decisions, policies, and the like. So here is my conversation with San Pedro Ranch co-owner Joe Fitzsimmons. I hope you like it. We're here at the San Pedro Ranch just outside Carrizo Springs, Texas, and we're sitting down with Joe Fitzsimmons, the owner and operator of the ranch. Joe, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about the operations that you have here and what's so special about the San Pedro Ranch? Well, first of all, I'm a co-owner. Uh, my sister and I uh, and our families uh, own this ranch, so um, it's not me. <laughs> and, uh, well, well, what's special about it? it it's a it's a unique it's a unique habitat uh, in Southwest Texas. It's not it's not, not typical of South Texas or West Texas. Uh, this corner of Southwest Texas is very unique. It, it's really the easternmost. Uh, uh, extent of the Chihuahuan Desert and the westernmost extent of what's typically known as South Texas habitat. So uh, it's unique in that regard. Uh, I think what's special about it is uh, we still have it. Um, my grandfather came here in 1932 and uh, bought this property and uh, we still operate it. It's still a working ranch. And uh, hopefully that will continue, uh, especially in light of the conservation easement my sister and I placed on the ranch uh, some 10 years ago. And as we were talking before recording, you had mentioned that Texas land stewardship is unique and that you employ a holistic approach here at San Pedro Ranch. Could you talk about that? Yes. um, You know, I I refer to it often as as working lands uh, or open, open space, some people call it. It's so important to our wildlife habitat, uh, in addition to our agricultural production that we all depend on, uh, food and fiber. But in, in Texas, the majority of wildlife habitat, the vast majority of wildlife habitat, uh, is on private lands. And uh, through my experience with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, uh, I would say that uh, the evidence is, is, is convincing that that uh, management has been beneficial uh, to the habitat uh, and to the fish and wildlife. So 
a private stewardship model along the Aldo Leopold uh, uh, example uh, has been very successful. Um, we, we have our problems, um, like, like, like any uh, state, uh, increasing urbanization, fragmentation of open lands and working lands, uh, which we're trying to ameliorate in some fashion with our work with conservation easement. Uh, but it's yeah, it's it's a it's a unique model uh, in, in the North American model. It's consistent with that North American conservation model. And could you talk about some of the adaptive processes that you've implemented here at the ranch? You were alluding to that a little earlier. So what is an adapt? You were saying like uh, you adapt to different changing conditions. How does that work with uh, the ranch? Well, one of the principles of holistic management is observation. So, uh, for instance, in our grazing plan, which is based on a holistic model, um, you adapt that to the conditions. For instance, right now, it looks very lush here, and you're thinking, you know, that it always is green in, in, in August. Well, we've had uh, very fortunate rains in the last uh, two and a half months. Uh, for uh, almost three years before that, uh, we had less rain uh, than we've had in the last two and a half months. Mm -hmm. So we go, uh, again, it's, it's a very brittle environment. We go from rather prolonged droughts to short periods or pulses of, uh, that we have to, to manage for. So my father always said, prepare the land for when it does rain and always plan for the drought. So if you, if you are setting up your operation to survive and be profitable uh, sustainable during a drought, the good times will take care of themselves. What wildlife is commonly found here at the San Pedro Ranch, you would say? Well, um, we're, we're, we're blessed with, with an enormous variety and diversity of, of, of wildlife. Um, commercially, <clears throat> if that's the right term, um, the demand is, is for white-tailed deer and quail and dove. The, the most popular game species. Uh, but we have uh, also a great diversity of neotropical birds, um, birds of prey, which are my particular interest. Um, it's uh, you know, everything from monarch butterflies to Texas tortoise to bobcats, mountain lions, uh, quite, 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 quite an array of, of diversity. But as we were discussing earlier, to us, diversity uh, is stability. And speaking about hunting, you mentioned that as one of the environmental services that you offer here at the San Pedro Ranch. Could you explain that? Well, I think, you know, hunting, um, uh, private lands hunting and hunting leases um, have been a part of the Texas landscape for many decades. Uh, but now that I've been asked to involve myself in some of these environmental services discussions about carbon carbon sequestration, carbon credits, biodiversity credits, watershed management, and, and credits associated with that. Um, I, <laughs> I'm often reminded that the original ecosystem service that we were um, um, able to monetize for habitat managers was hunting, and that comes from good wildlife management. And you were talking about earlier how 
if private landowners are given incentives, that they'll work to take care of the land. And that's kind of a model that's worked successfully throughout Texas. Could you speak more to that incentive process? Well, um, when I was at Parks and Wildlife, um, and again, I have a pretty long history there. I started when I was 17 years old as a uh, volunteer intern or wildlife management out in West Texas. And uh, so whatever that is, 45 years now of working in wildlife management and with the Parks and Wildlife Department, I've seen a very positive trend towards uh, building incentives for habitat management that um, create opportunities for landowners. Uh, a good example of that would be our managed lands deer permit, where we focus not on the bag limit of the individual hunter, but we focus on the, what that habitat can sustain, can sustainably yield from a harvest standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then the landowner becomes closely involved, I mean, really becomes the wildlife manager uh, under the, the direction of the state wildlife biologist in designing that wildlife management plan. Once that wildlife management plan is in place and the managed lands deer permit uh, requirements are met for the different habitat management requirements, then that landowner has more flexibility. It's essentially exempt from the standard um, season and bag limits. Now, that doesn't mean that they can just, you know, harvest whatever they want. They harvest based on the quota that that management plan determines can sustainably be harvested. Mm -hmm. So you actually end up with a lower uh, bag limit or harvest than you would under a, a strict uh, bag limit situation, which as I say, and I think this is one of the problems with our hunting regulations nationwide, is they're focused on the hunter and not on the habitat. You know, how many should, how many deer or ducks or quail should one person have? That's not really the point. The point is, how many of, of, of those game species can we sustainably harvest from that particular habitat? And that kind of goes back to kind of property rights in a sense, and that's something really evident found throughout Texas. So how is that important uh, with, let's say, organizations like the Texas Wildlife Association? You referenced the trust that's been established. So talk about how property rights also blend in with those two kind well, of organizations. you know, property rights are a basic civil right. And uh, if, if I don't have security in my property rights, then I'm less likely to make the long-term investments that are necessary to improve the habitat, to manage the habitat. So I, I don't see private property rights and wildlife management and conservation as, as being antithetical. I think they are, they're, 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 they're really one and the same. It's, <clears throat> this issue came up once before on ownership of uh, groundwater. And uh, my answer was, if I don't own it, how do I conserve it? That's a good point. Also, you talked about surface use agreements kind of alongside juxtaposed to the operations here. So talk about that and how do you guys juxtapose that with the operations here? Well, our focus on the ranch um, is agricultural and wildlife. Um, um, the ranch runs on cattle and wildlife. And as I may have told you, I, I, people ask me, well, what's the, what's the blend? And I say 
Well, they say, which is 60 and which is 40? And I said, it depends on the year. So um, wildlife's very important uh, to, to the ranch, and we use the cattle as a tool to effectively uh, manage our wildlife habitat. So they're um, um, cooperative, so to speak. Um, on the issue of surface use agreements and energy development, the ranch doesn't own the minerals. So the law in really all English common law jurisdictions, including the United mm -hmm. States, is that the mineral ownership is dominant to the surface. So the surface owner cannot refuse the mineral owner's development of minerals. But we've been successful in negotiating surface use agreements that allow us to not only have our conservation easement, which is very important uh, to, to the future of this ranch, but also to have uh, the sort of planning, reclamation, restoration that uh, absolutely minimizes the, the impact. How important do you think private landowners are for conservation going forward? Do you feel like that relationship or their status could be in jeopardy? Or do you think maybe people are coming around to the fact that private landowners should have a stake and can be impactful in certain environmental and conservation decisions? Well, I think the um, the urbanization of of, of, the, of not only Texas but the country in general mm -hmm. uh, takes people away from from the outdoors and the natural environment, and they don't on a daily basis see the reality of working lands. And the working lands are the connective tissue that keep all those public lands viable and sustainable. So I always use the example of a duck is, is flying across the country in its migration and it looks down at a wetland or a pond. It doesn't know if that is private land, public land, Indian land. It just knows that looks like a pretty good place. Mm -hmm. And when those ducks land, if it is a good place, and there's the sort of habitat that will sustain that wildlife, all's good, right? And the fact is that the vast majority of open space and wildlife habitat in this country is privately owned. Mm -hmm. So we have to have those incentives in place uh, and, and particularly make sure we don't have any disincentives mm -hmm. to the effective management uh, of, of those lands. How can people learn more about the San Pedro Ranch and your efforts? Well, we have a website. Um, Chase, who you've met, is really the brains behind this whole organization, um, does um, an Instagram. I'm not a social media <laughs> um, My youngest... Uh, daughter uh, describes me as social media anti-matic. Um, <laughs> like, like a black hole. But um, yeah, we have an Instagram page and we have uh, a website. Um, so um, we're, we're more interested in the practice than the preaching. Really. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been lovely chatting with you. All right. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast player. We recommend Apple Podcasts, where over 60% of our listenership hails from. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, which don't really populate, but follow us on social media to make sure you never miss a beat 
or a guest announcement. You can also find us on CFAC's website under District of Conservation under my profile, Gabriella Hoffman, to catch up on all different past episodes there. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple or wherever podcasts are played. Share the links, leave your reviews, and tell your friends about the show. Thanks for listening today. Stay tuned for more District of Conservation episodes.